Danielle, do you know if there's a stool around here? If there's, you know, the black stools that we have. Do you know where they are? Can you, can you, someone grab one? I know. Da- I'm just saying, Danielle, because she's used them before. But, but if while you're turning there, Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I wanna, I wanna sit on a stool. Give you all a little stool sample. <laughs> Just checking if you're paying attention, hey. <laughs> it was like this awkward half second of I'm not sure what he just said, and then like, oh, it was a joke. Okay, that's awesome. So here's the deal. Uh, I, we, I did one of these a few years ago with the youth group, and, and so tonight is called a fireside chat. And what fireside chat means is that uh, we're – I'm just going to talk out of my heart, and we're going to still read scripture, and we're gonna, I'm going to share some things that, that I was uh, seeing in this, but just going to share just some things that are on my heart. Because like I was saying uh, earlier tonight, this is like our last Thursday where you're going to hear a full sermon before the semester ends. Like I said, National Day of Prayer, the, the Finals Relief Night, we're just going to like soak in the presence of God and like do some de-stressing, you know what I'm saying? Like... And, and so uh, I'm not going to – somehow there's going to be a scripture read and all that. So there, every time we're committed to preach the word every single time, but we're, it's not going to be a whole sermon. But the thing is, is that there's some things in my heart that I just wanted to share, share with everybody before the semester ends. And so uh, – and prepare us for the fall semester. I know, like, that's way far away, but I want you to start thinking about some things before we get there. So, um, so are you there in Mark chapter 5? Yeah. Verse 1. Um, I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for everyone who's here tonight. Thank you, God. There's divine appointment. There's something you want to say to each person here, God. And I thank you that, that each person is actually hungry and they're seeking you. That's why they're here tonight. And God, thank you that um, there's no coincidences in the kingdom of God, but you work all things together so that we, we could seek you and find you and, and, and God encounter you in deeper ways. So God, you, I pray that you use me to speak. I pray that even as we read the scripture, that things would highlight to our own hearts. And God, that you would just speak and equip and, and activate and send us out of this place so we can do something to change the world. In Jesus' name. Amen? Okay, Mark chapter 1, verse, <laughs> chapter 5, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes when Jesus got out of the boat. Okay, hold up real quick. Hold on. Let me just say this. Okay, there's, if there's Mark chapter 5, that means there's also Mark chapter 4. And in the Bible, there was no, like in the original writing, there was no chapter marks. What just happened before this is pretty important. Jesus had got into the boat, and they were about to go to the other side of the lake. And he says this in Mark chapter 4, right before this, the parable right before this. You can see it if you have your Bible with you. He said, let us go to the other side. And they get in the boat, and as they're getting in the middle of the thing, Jesus is taking a nap on the boat, and all of a sudden, a huge, gnarly storm just breaks out. And they're freaking out. Like, they, they're, they're like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, they go to Jesus. They're, like, shaking and waking up. Don't you care? We're all going to drown. We're all going to die. And they're freaking out. And, and, and then Jesus just calmly gets up, uh, tells the wind to shut up, uh, and releases peace. And then just says, where's all your faith, guys? <laughs> you know, like, just a classic Jesus moment, you know. And then they actually get to the other side. Because in the very beginning, he said, let's go to the other side. And so, in other words, when Jesus says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And, and that's super important for us to realize here. Because the thing is like this, that there, there's going to be trials and situations that you go through in life. And you have a word from God, but you're going to feel like you're drowning in the middle of a lake. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to be like freaking out, Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus is just like, no, no, no. Do you remember when I said we're going to the other side? <laughs> yeah, I, I, everything I say actually works. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how Jesus works. You know, if I said it, it's going to happen. His word, the Bible says that the, the flowers and the grass may fail, but the word of God stands forever. And so this is good stuff. So this is what we're coming in on. So they made it to the other side. And here is the the cool part. They made it to the other side. We're still on verse 1 here. They went across the lake, and they're in the region of the Gerasenes. This is really important because, because Jesus had to get somewhere because there was someone he wanted to reach. This is why Jesus went to the other side. And can you imagine? Here, here's a theory. 
Jesus is about to reach out. We haven't got there yet, but I'm going to give you the spoiler alert. There's a, a guy who's possessed by a legion of demons on the other side of the lake. And, and Jesus is about to set him free. But here's the crazy part. He, he said, we're going to the other side. He, he's in the middle of going to the other side, and a furious storm comes up. How many understand that when you're about to, to, to fulfill the destiny that God has for you, there's going to be opposition for what you're, you're going to be stepping into? And there was someone on the other side that needed a touch from Jesus who was severely demonized, and there was a huge warfare to get them to not get to the other side. And Jesus had a plan. And Jesus' word never fails. And so the reason why they made it to the other side wasn't just because Jesus said so, although that was a huge reason, but there was also because there was someone there that needed a touch from God. And so verse 2, <clears throat> when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And so this is crazy. You know, I'm reading this passage today, and it's sometimes hard to understand if this is either the demon that's driving him to do this or if it's the desperation in the guy. And I think it's actually probably both. But this is crazy because somehow, somehow he knows that Jesus can help him. Somehow he goes, he's trying to go to Jesus. He, 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 the guy with the evil spirit comes from the tombs to meet him. Verse 3, this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So he's given us some, some clarification of what this guy's going through. For he had often been chained, it's verse 4, hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. How many understand this dude, uh, you know what I'm saying, he has some kind of supernatural strength going on. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Verse 5, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now, now, in Luke's gospel, it actually tells us that he, he didn't even wear clothes. He would just tear his clothes off, run around crazy in a graveyard and, and rip chains off him. How many understand this dude's got some issues? You know what I'm saying? Like, this dude isn't your average dude. You know, the dude has some issues. And, and this, is the, this is wild. So verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, check this out. He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And so this is where I go like, okay, this could be the demon submitting to the lordship of Jesus, or this could be the desperation in the man because everybody has an innate desire for God. Or it could be both, or it could be some other reasons. But all I know is this dude who was severely demonized saw Jesus and, and booked it and made it to his feet. And he fell on his knees. And in one translation, it literally says he worshiped him. So this is, you know, push pause. A few weeks ago, I did a sermon on healing, and I said I might talk about, you know, deliverance or something. This is an entire sermon on deliverance, but you might get a little snapshot of deliverance. You know what I'm saying? Like, ver verse 7, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? You know, you know, you know. <laughs> you know, any resemblance is purely coincidental. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. And so again, uh, is this a demon talking or is this him talking? I'm not sure. It could be a mixture of both. But all I know is that his mindset, if this is him talking, is condemnation and fear and torment. Because he sees Jesus and the first thing he thinks of is, what are you going to do, hurt me? This is how you know that you're under the influence of a lie when the first thing you think about Jesus is he's going to do something bad to me. And verse 8, for Jesus had said to them, come out of this man, you evil spirit. So Jesus was telling this thing to get out of him. Verse 9, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion, for we, for he, for we are many, he replied. Come on, man. <laughs> now check this out. Legion, in, in, uh, in that day, the Roman soldiers... Um, a legion was literally up to 6,000 soldiers. So that's why they called themselves legions, like in the army. So you can imagine the dude, he had quite a few friends living inside. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know the lights are off, but everybody's home. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just, it's just, a, it's a bad day in the life of legion. And so obviously that's not his real name, but um, I, I'm, I'm making jokes. I'm making light of this. Here's the deal. I said this last time. The deal is this, is that Jesus is speaking to him, and he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Do you notice that Jesus never gets intimidated by anything this dude says or does? And the mindset of Jesus and the disciples, they were never intimidated by any demonic thing, because it's real, and they have ability, and they have power. This guy called the church this week, and uh, had some really kind of, you know, random questions, and but I was there to just talk to him, and one of his questions was, 
how did, uh, how did you know, in, in, uh, in uh, Exodus, when, when Moses comes to Pharaoh, let my people go, and he starts performing these miraculous signs, and he, you know, he throws his, his staff down and turns into a snake, but then the magicians that, of Pharaoh's court actually started doing the same things, and he's, and he's baffled. He's like, how, how in the world does the, the, the bad guys get to do the same miracles that Moses is doing? And the basic answer is that there's power in that too. It's just not healthy. You know what I'm talking about. And so, so anyway, but here's the deal. Our culture has conditioned us to be afraid of this kind of stuff because the stupid movies like Paranormal Activity, uh, stupid movies like Exorcist and Poltergeist and the exorcism of Amy or Annie or whatever. What was that? What, a Emily Rose? I don't know, dude. It's retarded. All I'm saying is all these movies are super demonic and super retarded. And, and all they do is they put inside of you to be afraid of everything the devil does. That's all they do. And at the end of the day, you live under the influence of a lie and you get intimidated when the devil shows up. But Jesus never was intimidated, and the, the scripture tells us that greater is he that's within us is, than he that's in the world, and I have more authority in my life than the devil has, not because I'm anything great, but because Christ lives inside of me. And so I want to I say that only because don't, don't let yourself get intimidated when you run into demonic issues. Okay, and I say when only because you're probably going to in your lifetime, because they're, you know, whatever. All right. Um, okay. We're in verse 10. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Okay, we're just doing line-by-line line Bible study, okay? So I know you're like, can we get to the end of this stinking story already? It's okay. Um, we, he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of here. Why? Because he had a stronghold in this area, and there was a principality in this. Th th they didn't want to leave the area because they had, they had some right to reign. They had some right to rule in this area. Because the devil has a right to reign in darkness. But once you kick him out and kingdom of God comes, then all of a sudden the whole culture of the city has to change. You catch me? And so they didn't want to leave the area. And so verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. Uh, the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. Um, you know, I, I think I was, I don't know if I told you guys this story last time. Uh, again, I want you to catch the reality of this. Demons are actually talking to Jesus. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that's cool or anything, and I don't advise anyone to have conversations with demons, but all I'm saying is that this actually happened, and this was a real conversation that happened on the earth. Jesus was talking to the demons that were inside of this man. I, the first, I said this last time, I think, the first person I ever prayed for when we went to Uganda in 2006 was this girl who was demon-possessed, and I was like, Lord Jesus, thanks for the warm-up. You know what I mean? Like, I... I would like a headache. I would like maybe, you know, oh, let's pray for this young child to accept Jesus. Instead, you know, instead this girl comes forward. I anoint my, I have oil. I was about to anoint her. All I said was, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I very lightly touched her forehead. And this, the demons inside this girl started flailing as she started making a scene. People were holding her down. This whole thing, it was crazy, right? And, and but here's the crazy part. So I had just preached a sermon on the fire of God. And I said, you know, there's, there's, there's this Old Testament picture of us in Leviticus 6 it talks about the fire on the altar shall never go out it shall be kept burning continually and it's a picture of our lives that the fire in our hearts should continue to burn and burn and burn and it should never go out should never dwindle should always be burning and so I use that as an illustration so as we're praying for this girl the demons start talking through her in their native language and started saying stop stop it you're burning us you're setting us on fire stop what you're doing and i'm like oh dude that really okay let's do it some more you know what i'm saying i'm like and all of a sudden this holy boldness just starts coming and you're like i'm setting you on fire you probably shouldn't have told me that because that's going to make me want to do this more you know what i'm saying and then, and then, so here's the deal. I'm always trying to find a context for this in scripture. So I, I, at the end of this thing, I'm thinking in my head, like, what? It's talking about fire, you know? Like, fire is, you could set the enemy on fire. This is crazy. So I, I remember, because I, man, I love the Bible, and I've read through it, you know? And, and I remember Psalm 97 says that fire goes before God and consumes his enemies on every side. And I'm like, booyah, it's in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's biblical that the Lord actually releases supernatural fire on, on, on demons and, and they get freaked out. And so anyway, all right. Uh, so they begged Jesus not to send him out. The large herd of pigs is, you know, uh, uh, was feeding on the hill by, uh, nearby hillside. Verse 12, the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Verse 13, he gave them permission because the devil can't do anything. You know, he has to ask God for permission. 
And the, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, so maybe that's, maybe that's how many demons it was, exactly 2,000, or it could, you know, it could be more. They rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Uh, verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. How many of y'all have heard the phrase that revival can be messy? <laughs> this, this is crazy. So, so, like, verse 15, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. My favorite verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He was sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Luke's gospel said that he was just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Come on, man, this is good stuff right here. He was, he was a wild man living in tombs, throwing his clothes off, ripping chains off by his own, like, you know, demonic supernatural strength was going through him. This dude was a wild man. Nobody liked him. It, it, this, the, in, in Luke's account, it says that the, the demons would drive him away to solitary places. This, that's, what, that's what demonic oppression does. It, it makes you want to just hide and be by yourself and not have any input and all that stuff. And, and man, Jesus came in in an instant set this dude free and he's sitting there in his right mind dressed and in his right mind this is good stuff man imagine if you were this dude and all of a sudden jesus touches your life and you're like oh it's like the clouds are gone out of my brain you know we we had this thing in our uh in our youth group called the infamous wednesday night and uh, one of, and basically what happened was a summer camp and, and some girls were dealing with some, a spirit of suicide and they just, it was just really attacking their lives. So we started praying for them. It was actually in the middle of worship. We started singing, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And then all of a sudden, like stuff started happening and we're like, uh, and then Danielle started playing. I'm like, Hey, you need to keep doing this. And you know, like, and I'm like, I need to go pray for her And this. And so anyway, the long story short is that there was some stuff happening and uh, and she got set free and all that, and it was so awesome. But the next day, she was testifying. It was like the gnarliest time. We were just sharing testimonies, like, what did God do in your life? And this was in the, the next day in the morning. Maybe it was on Friday. Do you remember if it was on Friday? I don't know. We just had testimony time. And, uh, and this is what she said out of her own mouth. She said, it felt like I was lost in a forest, but I came out into, like, a clearing. And she felt like she could totally, like, she was free. It wasn't cluttered anymore. And I'm like, that's so good. <laughs> That's so good. And this is what happened to the dude. He was sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Come on, man. No matter what you're going through, Jesus can set you free. This dude had thousands of demons, man. I, I don't know. I don't think anyone in the room is that far off. <laughs> you know what I mean? So verse 16, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Verse 17, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Can you imagine that? The, the crazy guy turns into a normal guy and they're like, whoa, Jesus, I'm not sure if I like this. Some people don't appreciate it when God moves. Revival gets messy and, and people get set free and then some people aren't appreciative of that. I know that sounds crazy, but if those are your pigs, you might have had an issue with it too, you know? Because that's, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's a lot of bacon, bacon wrapped bacon, you know what I'm saying? Like, that is a lot of Slater's 50-50, you know what I'm talking about? That <laughs> I'm messing with you, but, but seriously, it, to them, these are Gentile people, to them, this was their livelihood, this was their way of making money, and Jesus just took all that because he t told the demons to go into that. Then you go, then you're confronted with what's your value system? It's people getting free more valuable than losing all that money because this dude, this dude is really important to Jesus because he crossed over in a raging storm to get to this dude. It's really important, you know. Come on. But some people don't appreciate it when God moves and we get, we kind of like, you know, like Hiram, Pastor Hiram Pangilinan, that's how you say it, from Philippines. Was that right, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's Filipino, dude. He's got to know. No, he came here and people were growing, like supernatural height growth, right? That was wild, right? So here's the deal, though. Like, like, like 
we, we, you know, any church, I don't care what denomination, you say, man, all things are possible. Amen. Everyone's like, yeah, amen. Supernatural hype growth. I'm not sure about that. You know what I'm talking about. It's kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? All things are possible. Amen. Miracle money appeared. That's kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? Jesus got fish, or got, got a tax payment out of the mouth of a fish. You know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, we need to go pay taxes. Let's go fishing. Here you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Go give that to the tax guy. Come on, man. All things are possible to him who believes. And then Jesus moves in a crazy way. We're like, I don't know if I appreciate that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're like, you know, we cry out for revival. We cry out for God to move. And then he starts doing things. It gets a little messy. Someone gets delivered. You know, they might throw up or something crazy like that. And then we're like, I'm not sure if I appreciate that, Lord. You know, because this is outside of my box. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Jesus spit on a blind guy to heal his eyes thanks you know what i'm saying like whoa I, you know i mean go i mean there's some explanation for that you know I've, that i've heard i'm not sure if it's true or not but all i'm trying to say is outside of all that explanation when you get spit on you know what i'm saying you're like i best be getting my eyesight right now you know what i mean like And I'm just saying, when God moves, sometimes we don't appreciate it because it's outside of what we thought God would do. And God moves in our family, and God moves, and he asks us to do some things, and, 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 and he might do some wild stuff, man. You know, I, like Heidi Baker, she, every, I think every, every deaf person she prays for gets healed, but you know how she does it? She licks her fingers and puts them in her ear and puts them in people's ears. The best wet willy you've ever had, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but every single deaf person gets healed. <laughs> Come on, man. And I'm just saying that, that sometimes God moves and we don't appreciate it. And we're not sure about it because it's just like wild, you know? Like, I believe all things are possible. And then, oh, what? You want a supernatural height growth? That's kind of, do we need that? No, you don't, but God likes to give things. He likes to give good gifts to those, you know what I'm saying? All right. Uh, verse 18, we haven't even got to the end of the story yet. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Come on, man. This man had hunger for Jesus. He wasn't just after the miracle. He was after the miracle maker. And I'm telling you, if we catch this he begged to go with Jesus, man. He, he just was like, Jesus, you touch me, I'll do anything. Like you, no one has been able to get me to think straight ever. And you set me free. All I know is I just want to be wherever you are, God. Like this is the cry of a generation, man, who gets touched by the love of God. Like God, I, you, 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 I wouldn't be who I am today unless you did something in my life, God. Like, I, like I, I'm not just going to church because someone told me. I'm coming here because I, I need to meet with you. I need to be with you. I'm, I'm not just waking up at, you know, 6 in the morning to, to worship just because the pastor said that's what you're supposed to do. I'm doing this because, Jesus, you've done something that nobody else could ever do in my life. I need Jesus. I'm hungry for this person. I want to be with God. I want to know him. And this is his heart. He was hungry. But the, the, the crazy thing Jesus says in verse 19, Jesus did not let him. But he said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Come on. And so what did he do? Verse 20, he did not. So he got offended and said, thanks, Jesus, for not being there for me. He didn't do that. He didn't get offended. He didn't get hurt. He didn't even feel rejected. That's how, that's how you know, man, God's really working in your life. When Jesus can tell you something like that and you don't, get, you don't feel rejected. You know. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, which means 10 cities. This is a region how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Come on, man. This is simple gospel. Like, there's nothing complicated. And this is, I mean, all this guy knew was Jesus. That's all he knew. 
All he knew was I was tormented. I, I, I had this weird power that I could break things, but nobody liked me, and I was living in graveyard. And then I saw this guy, and he had some light shining on him, and I thought maybe he could help me. So I went to him. He set me free, and I can think straight now. <laughs> and, man, uh, that's all I got. I just know that Jesus is really good. You remember me, right? This is, this is him telling <laughs> you, you. You remember. You know what I'm saying? You remember, remember, you know what I'm saying? Like, and he's looking, and all the people, they knew who this dude was, man. And all he had was, I was crazy, and I'm not crazy anymore because Jesus set me free. You want to believe in him? That's a good thing to do. All he knew was Jesus, man. He, he used what he had. That's all he did. He just used what he had. He didn't have a Bible college degree. He never even heard Jesus preach a sermon. He didn't know what the Beatitudes were. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he didn't know the steps to peace with God. He didn't even know where the stinking staircase was. You know what I'm saying? Like he just knew Jesus set me free. And he had less than all of us in this room have. He had less than all of us. He had less than all of us. And he, infect, he affected an entire region an entire region got affected. And here's my point, that many Christians are over-equipped and underemployed. Man, I'm telling you, everybody in this room could sit up here and preach a sermon tonight, and it would be good. You know what I'm saying? But man, we, I feel like sometimes we're so equipped and we're so taught and we're so trained and we go to practice and we go to practice and we go to practice and we use maybe 10% of what we've gotten, you know. We, we learn about you got to love your neighbor as yourself and then someone cuts us off on the freeway and we flip them off, you know, you know, like, and we're like, what? You know what I'm saying? Or like, like someone wrongs us and we're thinking about revenge, you know someone walks by us with crutches and we just did a sermon on healing, you know what I'm saying? And we're, and, and we're, we're like, oh, God bless you. I hope the doctor helps you with that. You know, obviously doctors are great, but all I'm trying to say is we walk by opportunities to use all this stuff. And so what happened to the, the to Israelites, man, the, Goliath was taunting them and they just sat there and they didn't do anything. And they were in their full armor. They had weapons, they had spears, they had swords, they had shields, and they let one dude intimidate them and they were well-equipped to destroy this guy. And no one did anything, you know. And I just feel like, man, we, we gotta do something with what Jesus did for us, you know. I don't know what he think. Well, what did he do? I don't think this guy knew anything. I don't know, man. And what I love about this guy is that he didn't have to try and prove anything. He just told his story. He, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, no, 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 let me tell you, this is why you need to believe in God. This is why, let me, let me go through this, you know, this, this apologetics thing with you and da-da-da. And they're like, no, dude, I'm looking at you. You were crazy. And now you can complete a sentence. Who did that to you? Jesus? Okay, I believe. You know what I'm saying? Like, super simple. Like, what do you have? Just use whatever you have. Whatever you have, just use whatever you have. And we don't have to try to prove anything. Man, I feel like sometimes we're like, hey, you know, let's go to this seminar to learn how to debate uh, Muslims. Let's go to this seminar to learn how to debate Mormons and Jehovah Witness. Let's go to this seminar. Let's learn how to debate, you know, the LGBTQ thing. You know, let's go ahead. Forget all that crap, man. Like, just tell them the story of Jesus. I don't care, man. They don't, I mean, I get, I'm sorry. I, it's helpful, you know, but like, I'm just saying, we get so over-equipped trying to change the world, and this dude had absolutely nothing except for his story, and he affected an entire region, you know. And, and man, I'm telling you, you know, when you just tell your story how it really is, there's anointing on it. The more real, the less exaggeration, the, uh, no exaggeration, and just the real thing that happened to you, so anointed, because it's truth, and God always anoints truth. You know, this jazz musician named Charlie Parker, he played the saxophone and he said, he said, music is your own experience, your own thoughts, your wisdom. He said, if you don't live it, it won't come out of your horn. 
think about it. <laughs> I, I, I teach this to the worship leaders, and we, and we talk about, you know, if we don't have a real devotion to God, you can sing about devotion to God, but it's not going to come out. You're going to hear the words, you're going to hear the song, you're going to hear the thing, but if you don't have a real devotion with God, who are you trying to fool? You're going to be leading people into nothing. But it'll come out of your horn if it's something that you experience in the secret place. You follow what I'm saying? He's a sax player, that's why he said horn, but I'm saying your entire life. It's real, man. When you tell the real story of what God did in your life, people get touched. And so, uh, fireside chat, okay. Are we good so far? Are you okay? Um, question, I'm wondering this. How many people are actually going home after this semester? How many guys are going to be actually just going home for summer? A few of us? Okay. How many guys are staying here after the semester? Okay. 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 How many, how many people actually just started coming here the last fall semester? Like the last fall semester was like your first kind of experience. Yay, come on, that's exciting. How many guys are, have been here for more than, more than let's say a year and a half? A year, because that's, that's, that's more than the last semester, right? Like in going to Summit, going to Summit, a, a part of the church. How many guys have been going here more than two years? Okay, two and a half, keep your hands up. Yeah, yeah, 2012 was when you guys, are, yeah. Um, okay, two, three years? <laughs> Four years? Zach, you grew up here, dude. That's the <laughs> okay, you can put your hands down. Here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I said this already. Y'all could preach a message tonight, and it'll be awesome, but here's the deal. Specifically, even those who just came this last semester, guess what? Like, next fall semester all y'all are going to be the ones discipling the new freshmen that come in. And it's going to be awesome. And I'm telling you, this, this is the most exciting thing. I mean, just when we're praying just a little bit ago, it was so awesome just watching everyone just do everything. And I'm like, just standing back going like, dude, we have an army of warriors in this place. Like you just, hey, we need to pray for some. Yes. You know, and I just see the Lord and you know, I start prophesying. Everyone's doing all this stuff. So awesome. I love it. It's so good. And all I'm saying is, you guys are all the ones who are going to be discipling the new freshmen that come in, the new people that we reach. We're having, obviously, we're doing a concert in the parking lot. We're doing a huge outreach. This whole, the whole thing we do every year. But guess what? It's all going to be what you guys learn in this last year. You just take everything that you've got and you teach them everything. And, and this is what we get to do. We, we get to take whatever God, we have a message. Like, like whether you're going home or you're staying here, you have a message. If Jesus has touched your life, you have a message. And, and, and you are the light of the world, wherever you go, whether it's here in San Marcos or whatever. And, and I'm telling you, if you don't shine, then, then it stays dark. But you're the ones discipling and you, t you take everything. So some of you guys are actually going to be asked to lead a connect group next fall semester. And some of you guys are gonna be leading a group of, of freshmen and you're gonna be discipling. Some of you guys are gonna be just do, doing some one-to-one -one stuff, you know, like you're gonna be doing some one-to-one -one discipleship. Some of you are gonna be leading in, in different capacities in the crux and, and probably even through summer or maybe on Sundays, and it's, et cetera. But it's so important to, to realize that it's, it's, it's you guys, you're the ones. Like I'll sit up here and I'll preach and do all this stuff, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm not dude for it. Like I'm the coach and you guys are all the players that go out on the field and do this thing. And, it's, and, and so, like, tell your story, do the works of Christ, make disciples, do something with what you got. But it, that was the Bible study part. Now I'm just getting into the things that I just, just want to say specifically to us before this official semester ends. More than anything, if I could tell you one thing to do uh, before, before this whole semester ends is relationship with Jesus. This is going to be so simple, but I'm telling you, it is the most important thing in the entire world. An actual relationship with Jesus. Like an actual connection. This dude had a hunger for Jesus. He was excited about the miracle, but more about the miracle maker because it was the person of Jesus he was really after. And I'm telling you tonight, like, this is what we're really after. Like, we teach about signs and wonders. We see so many awesome things. Like, like John was just telling me this morning, this, was it this morning or afternoon or something like that? 
Yeah, there was like seven students here filming for their like final project or something, a class project. They were filming a thing, and then John just is like, "Oh, opportunity for the gospel!" And he just goes up and starts praying for them, prophesying over all these guys, and they've never been here before. They're just trying to get their stuff project done, you know. Like just the last last Thursday. Um, or the one we talked about healing, like Joanna's like going over to, to her friend's house or to her friends in the dorms and she took the message. We talked about God's will to heal and she went over there found one of her friends who had pain in his shoulder and he couldn't lift it past here. She prayed for him and he's like, whoa, and he's getting all freaked out because his shoulder's totally healed. You know, it's like, it's so good, man. I, I love this stuff. But at the end of the day, man, I'm telling you, at the end of the day, the best thing in the world is that you actually can go home, close your door, and talk to Jesus, and he listens, and he talks to you. It's better than all that stuff, man. I've seen it. Like, we, we saw a blind person get their eyes healed when we were in a mission trip, and on the plane ride home, I was just, we were, like, elated, because it was actually the last thing that happened on the trip, and then we had this barbecue, and then we got on a plane and left. And I'm like, dude, I'm, like, on this high. You know what I'm saying? If you see a blind lady get healed, you're like... Shandai, you know what I'm saying? You're like, come on, you know, and and you're super excited. But on the plane ride home, this is me in the plane going, Jesus told his disciples this in Luke 10. He said, he said, you guys rejoice because the spirit submit to you in my name. But let me tell you, don't rejoice because of that. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And I got a little revelation. I was like, dude, this is so cool. God's doing all this stuff. But I'm actually more excited that I actually get to go to heaven. And I'm, and I have a relationship with God. Like, so good, man. Like, super simple. And so, like, when I think about this, I think, like, Adam and Eve, they rule, they, like, okay, Genesis one twenty eight. God blessed Adam and Eve, said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing and creature that, that moves on the ground. And so, the thing is, is that Adam and Eve had what Jack, Jack Hayford, he's a great pastor, he, he said, they had rulership through relationship. Rulership through relationship. And so God gave them an ability to actually rule over the earth and dominate and like take dominion. And they, they were like the kings of the earth, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? And so they were to take dominion on earth. But first it was relationship with God. So you look at Genesis 2, 7, it says, The Lord God formed the man, excuse me, out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Now think through this with me. Who do you think Whose face was the first face that Adam saw? Come on. He's, he takes, you know, forms him out of the dust, goes to God himself, breathes into Adam. His first inhale was the very breath of God. Opens his eyes. Daddy. <laughs> and he sees God for the first time. Come on. Talk about relationship is priority. This is priority in, in God's kingdom. So, same thing with Eve. Adam goes to sleep. God takes a rib, forms it out. I'm, I'm, I'm reading between the lines here, but I believe the same thing happened. And she's like, Dad. And the first face she sees is God. And they lived in Eden, man. This Eden literally means pleasure. Come on. They lived in a place of the Father's pleasure. This is the realm of atmosphere that they lived in. Daddy loves me. Daddy's with me. Daddy's for me. Daddy's accepting me. All this stuff. This is what they had when they first started. And I believe this, this relationship that they had with God is, is what qualified them to, to take dominion over the earth. And he, they ruled because they had relationship. And you notice when the relationship broke, their rulership also broke. And then the earth started forming thorns, which it never was meant to. The earth, the, the, they had to work and sweat. Work was good, but sweat wasn't good. And, and, all the, and, and even the curse of, the curse of uh, pain and childbearing happened. All this bad stuff came on the earth because the relationship with God broke. Therefore, they couldn't rule and take dominion anymore. And so, you know, we, we love the cross, man. Jesus reversed the curse, and, and we're, we're, we're born again and all this kind of stuff. And we get relationship with God again, therefore we get to rule again. And that's what happens when you lay your hands on someone and they get healed. It's because the kingdom of God just got on earth. You, you pray for someone and a demon leaves their life. That's because the kingdom of God just came. And you're taking dominion again. You're, you're doing what Adam messed up on. We get, to, we get another chance on. And so, but the point of all, all I'm trying to say is this. 
that, that man, they did it out of relationship with God. And so, man, when we heal the sick, we prophesy, we lead people to Christ. We don't do it to earn a higher place with God. We do it because it's, our, it's an outflow of our relationship with God. And, and I'm telling you, this is so, so important. Like Mark 3, 13, Jesus, it says this, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Verse 14, he appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him. Did you catch that? That they might be with him. And then that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Did you see that? Be with him, relationship, and then rulership. Relationship and then rulership. When we get it backwards, we get dysfunctional. You know. And so we get to be with him. We get to catch his heart. We get to catch and embrace his values. We get to value what he values. We get to hold to what he, he, he values. We, we, man, I'm telling you, we get to hold to the things of God. We get to feel what he feels about things. We're singing this song like, God, pull me a little closer. I want to I wanna know your heart. But question, in the midst of the crazy finals, in the midst of all the busyness of life, have you taken time out of your own busy schedule to experience his heart? You're like, man, I already know about this stuff. Are you doing it? I'm, I'm for real. You're like, man, uh, this is easy, man. Uh, we already get, let's go on to something deeper. This is the whole thing. This is it. Like, if you don't have this, you have nothing. I'm super busy. You have, are you, okay. So is Jesus. <laughs> I'm stressed out. So is God going to make that worse? Probably make it better, you know. I know, like, all, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is all, this is super foundations, right? But are we actually doing it? Are we doing this thing? Like, is Jesus our friend? Like, you know, we, you know, we don't sing this song anymore, but I am a friend of God. You remember that song? I am a friend of God. He called me friend. You know, you know that song, right? Are you really, though? Come on. I want you to really think about that. Like, are you really a friend of God? Like, I know, like, theologically, blah, blah, blah. But can he call you when you need something? Or do you talk to him when you just want to share your life? It, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, well, I prayed for this person. They got healed. Cool. That's rulership. But what about relationship? You know? Yeah. And so here's the deal. I'm going to close with this, okay? Um, are you okay? Are, is, is this okay? Are you guys all right? Fireside chat. There's a fire behind me. I just, it's the Holy Ghost. He's just all around me, man. Here's the deal. I'm thinking about this. We're talking about this with the crux leaders, and we're just, we're just going like, hey, man, like, man, we, we're, we're working on creating a structure and all this type of stuff to really facilitate growth and, and multiplication, et cetera, making disciples, you know? And I'm thinking, like, what are the core values? Like, if I, if I would have the, any core values of, like, like, what I would love to see in an increasing way in this group of students. Like, we have a, about 60 people who, who um, average about 60 people who meet here every Thursday night. What would I love to see in every single person? Like, and these are all biblical things, so it's not just Andrew. I'm saying, like, what's the DNA of what God's doing uniquely here? Because there's, man, there's so many college groups and they're awesome. We got, you got the Jordan, you got the Well, you got the Exchange, you got all these amazing college groups around the area. And, and, and you know, and I love that, but there's a specific thing that God's doing here. There's a specific thing God's doing there. And we're not all gonna have the exact same thing. If, I mean, obviously we're all gonna wanna follow Jesus, but I'm going like, God, what, what are the things? And if I would say the three things, I would say this, and I'm gonna try to go through this relatively quickly because, you, you know, be for the sake of time, but the first thing would be, I would love to see a generation that has strong biblical foundations. I would love, to, I would love, I would love, love, love to see people who know the Bible. Like people who don't just hear someone else preach it, but people who actually have do dove into this thing. I'm talking about people who take time to read it, people who take time to study it, people who take time to ask questions and the hard questions, people who take time to memorize this thing. I'm talking about people who take time to know what the scripture actually says. And when you have questions, to just seek God on it and ask God. Like, like we, had this, we had this men's Bible study one time a few years ago, and we, you know, because it was, a, it was actually a purity one. It was, when we, it was like a few years ago. We talked about that book called when, um, 
every man's battle or something like that. Okay, and so we had this whole thing, and we're going around the room, and there's just guys in this house, and da-da-da-da. And one of the guys who was talking said, well, who actually knows what God says about purity, and, and who's actually sought this? And no one even raised their hand, and I'm thinking, I'm sitting there going like, you, you guys are trying to be living pure. You know, Psalm says, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? It would behoove you to take time to know what the word actually said. <laughs> Forget the stinking self-help groups. Ask what Jesus said. You know what I'm talking about? And I, and I was like sitting there and no one, no one had taken time. Cause I'm like, I'm be real. I'm, I'm, I was a new Christian. I'm like, Lord, I need some help in this area called purity. You know what I'm saying? Sexual purity. I need some help. I need to know what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about sex? What does the Bible say about masturbation? What does the Bible say about, you know, all these types of things? Because these are real issues in real people's lives. And, and you all have dealt with this in some fashion or form. Like, God, what do you say? Because I'm a follower of you now. I need to know what you actually say about this. And no one in the room, man, some of them had grown up in church and no one in the room, maybe they're just too, they're too afraid to say, no one in the room could, could teach and say, oh, actually, this is what the scripture tells us about this. And it's not just, you can't have sex before you got married. You know, it's not like, it's not this rule oriented law thing. It was like, no, 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 let, let's talk about what does the Lord actually say? And I would love to see a generation who has taken time to seek God, to know what he actually says and not what Dr. Phil said and not what Oprah said. Come on. They're really helpful people, but they're not God. Come on. We, we would have so much change in our life if we actually spent time in the Bible. You know, man, I could talk about this for a long time, but if we would take time and spend it, man, I, we were, we were, we're cleaning our garage. Yay. And so I'm like going through all these things. I'm looking at this. When I got saved, man, I got a, I got a folder, uh, not a folder, uh, a journal, but it's like the big ones, like this size ones, you know? Uh, and it, and it was just, and I would take scriptures and then I would write what I think I would write the scripture out. And then I'd write what I think next page, another scripture, write what I think about it. And I have like hundreds, probably thousands of just random pieces of paper all over in the, in the boxes and in, in this box and this drawer and this file all over this of just me having random thoughts about what I was thinking about what I read that day. Do I remember everything I said in there? No, but I took time to see God and it's in here somewhere. And I just remember, whoa, I saw God. I, I really took time to establish a biblical foundation in my life. And I would love to see a generation who do that. I would love to see a generation who take time to pray. I used to love the singing. I used to love the reading, but praying was hard for me. I was like, eh, I don't even know what to say. This is kind of weird. But you know what I did? I got lazy and just didn't do anything. No. I said, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to stink and figure it out because it's important to Jesus. I think we get so stinking lazy. We read the Bible and it has words like sanctification. And you're like, I don't really know what that means. Hmm, just keep turning the page. That's what they have dictionaries for. Whoa. We're like, oh, I don't really know what justification means. Hmm, I guess I'm just not going to understand that verse. Or I'll just get the message Bible. Meh. Right? I mean, right? Like, <laughs> or, or you can be hungry and say, God, I need to actually know what you mean here because I don't want to say I give you my entire life and don't know a lick about what you actually say about anything. Yeah, I'm passionate about it. People who take time to pray, people who have an affection for the presence of God. And you guys do this, man. You do this all the time. People who are rooted in truth and love. Not just taking anybody's word for it, but holding to the word of God. People who do the word, following Jesus and how they live their lives. That Jesus isn't just someone in their life. Jesus is your life. Like, I don't have a plan B. I don't have any options. If Jesus isn't real, then I'm, I'm sunk. But I know he is. You know what I'm saying? I have no other option besides, I have no plan B. I have no plan C. I have no backup plan because I don't need one. Jesus is everything to me. He's not just a little, you know, the, you know, from office space. He's not just some flair on the, you know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's the whole picture, not just doing a duty, but people who have devotion, man. 
This man who got delivered wanted to be with Jesus so bad. He wanted him so bad. And you're like, man, I don't have a testimony. Like, I, you know, it's like you would joke around like, man, I wish I was addicted to crack like that dude. You're like, really? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't want that kind of testimony, dude. How about I grew up in church and I, and I met Jesus when I was five and I never had to deal with the baggage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you hear someone tell our testimony, we're like, man, I wish I was addicted to drugs and in gang violence and got beat up by my grandma and my step-grandma, you know. And you're like, no, you don't wish you had any of that baggage, man. You do not wish any of that. That is, <laughs> that's like 18 social sessions, you know what I'm saying? That's like, you don't need that, man. How about, I was at church and kids' church when I was five years old. Chris Baird did an altar call. I accepted Jesus, and he taught me how to heal the sick and prophesy and to hear the voice of God for myself, and I've been following him ever since. Yeah. Come on, man. And how, how bad do you want him? This, man, I'm telling you, the devotion, this kind of devotion to God is the kind of thing that you have to make room for. You have to make time for. Because there are going to be all kinds of distractions. All kinds. They're called, like, Facebook, um, Netflix, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, anyway. Whatever. Just remember this, foundations predict the future, okay? Foundations predict the future. If you don't take time to build foundations, when the storm comes, your life is going to be in ruins. But if you take time to build this thing, man, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you, you're standing in the middle of the storm. I love to see a generation who has strong biblical foundations. I want that with everything, and I see this developing in your hearts. Uh, the second thing, man. I thought you said you're going to go quick. I don't know. I'm a preacher. I just, you know what I'm saying? It just happens. Number two, people who are walking in the supernatural. Not only people who have strong biblical foundations, but people who walk in the supernatural. People, so yes, this is secondary, but it's important. Healing the sick, prophesying, giving words of knowledge, seeing God do miracles. Well, that would be a normal part of their life. Not the exception, but the normal part. It was normal for Jesus. It was normal for the disciples. It should be normal for us. And we don't make it the highest priority of our lives, but it is something that becomes a part of us because it's a part of the DNA of God. And man, everyone just say this with me. Say, I consistently lead other people into God encounters. Come on. And so we want people who walk in the supernatural and, and you know, we're doing the stuff like Joanna going over to the dorms and praying and seeing God move, you know. Seeing, seeing your friends walking by and feeling, hearing this random thought like, like, you know, hey, I feel like you should make this, you know, whatever. And you just go over and say, hey, I just felt like God. And you see, oh, how did you know that? And start crying and all that stuff. Best moment to say, because God loves you and he knows you and he sees you. Would you like to accept Jesus into your heart? Come on. And the last thing is this, is making disciples. I would love to see a generation with strong biblical foundations people who walk in the supernatural, that it's not, it's not weird to them, it's normal to them. And sometimes when God shows up, it freaks people out, but it's okay. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's okay, it freaked people out on the day of Pentecost, but Peter was so good, he preached such a good sermon at the end of that, that 2,000 people decided they wanna say yes to Jesus. You know what I mean? Freak people out, but 2,000 people said yes. I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I'll take the freak out, you know what I mean? Like, I'll take the freak out if the 2,000 people say yes to Jesus, you know? So they're walking in supernatural and they're making disciples. It's the Great Commission, man. I would love to see a generation who are passionate about Bible foundations, who are passionate about walking in the supernatural and who are passionate about making disciples, a.k.a. giving away everything that Jesus gave you. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Memorize this verse. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. The things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. That's, did you see that? So I'm saying, everything that you're hearing me say in the presence of all these witnesses, I want you to take that, find some reliable people who aren't gonna you know, throw your pearls to swine, but like, who are gonna take what you say, and find people who are gonna take what you say and give it to somebody else. That's four generations of discipleship happening in one fell swoop. That's good stuff. 
So back to the beginning of the message. The man used whatever he had and shared it with the people. We asked this question at the beginning of this semester, but who are you pouring into then? Who are you doing life with? Who are you giving the things that Jesus gave to you to? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Jesus gave you some stuff, who are you giving that stuff to? Who are you actually giving away? You're like, dude, I don't know anything. Like I got like 16 sins going on presently in my life. Well, cool, start giving away what Jesus gave to you and watch the number decrease. Sanctification comes through actually doing the works of Christ. Are you with me on that? Last verse here, are you, are you still there? Matthew 4, 19, in the New Living Translation, Jesus called out to them and said, come, follow me, and I will show you how to. Everyone say, how to. how to. He said, I will show you how to fish for people. So the old saying goes, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Hashtag some old quote. <laughs> I know it says that. We talked about it. It's not like, what? I think sometimes we want to teach people things, but we like to be in control so we don't teach them how, so that way they still have to be dependent on us. But it's really good to teach people how because then more stuff gets done for the kingdom of God. Jesus taught them how. Question, who are you teaching how? Who are you teaching how? This is so simple, but I'm telling you, man, we get over-equipped and underemployed, and we hear all these awesome revelations and we go, oh, and then we go back to doing normal life. That's why someone said diets don't work because it's like, oh, 30 days I'm gonna do this and then the, after the 30 days you go back to your old lifestyle. Lifestyle change works though. Yay. I'm like pushing kind of some buttons tonight here. Who are you teaching how? Who, listen, 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 listen. Who are you teaching how? Who are you teaching how to read the Bible? Who are you teaching how to study the Bible? I don't know how to. Well, learn so that you can teach someone how. <laughs> Who are you teaching how to pray? Who are you teaching how to worship? Who are you teaching how to heal the sick? Who are you teaching how to prophesy? Who are you teaching how to lead someone to Christ? Who are you teaching how to walk in love? How you, who are you teaching how to be patient? Who are you teaching how to be kind and gentle? Come on, Jesus is a really gentle guy. And this is so simple, but some, for some reason, it's really challenging because I think it's the most effective thing we could ever do on the planet is teach someone else how. Yeah. So let's have the worship team come and let's, I wanna just take a few minutes and spend with the Lord. Um, <laughs> Sorry. All right, what's up? <laughs> I would love to see a generation who have really strong biblical foundations. I'd love to see a generation who walks in the supernatural. And I would love to see a generation who makes disciples, who gives everything away that they've got to somebody else. So my challenge to you tonight isn't like, you know, like, please say amen or something. Like, like I don't care. Like, I, I just want to see a generation who knows the Bible, who practices what they learn and, and who multiplies and is not selfish and hoarding it. It says that the, that the generous person will prosper, but the one who withholds unjustifiably will come to poverty. Generous ones prosper. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about everything God's given you. Have you given it to anybody lately? You know? And so, man, I, I just know that this is, this, is really, this is really living, man. This is the thing. If I, I'm, telling you, I'm telling you all this because I don't know, you know, like how many of all I'm going to see in the next few weeks. This is our last time, you know, as a general normal crux besides all the extra things that we're doing. So, man, I, I wanna give you this because I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna challenge you, I wanna encourage you, I wanna push you to go to deeper places with Jesus. You are the light of the world. You are forgiven, you are accepted, 
You are sons and daughters of God. You are powerful. You are hungry and you are humble. You're his. You belong to God. You belong to God. And this can be actually the best summer that you've ever experienced because Jesus is Lord of it. This can be the best summer, whether you take a summer school or you're not. This can be the the best summer. So when you step into that fall semester, you're ready to take on every new freshman with the gospel. You're like, this is it. So I want to, I want, what I like to do is I would like to just provide an opportunity. We're not going to take a whole lot of extra time here, uh, but I would like to provide an opportunity for you to just be with Jesus for a little bit here. If you need to renew your first love with the Lord tonight, you need to go like, man, I've been doing a lot of work for you, but I kind of just need to be like Mary and just sit at your feet. And let's just do that. You know, if you're, you know, if you're like the dude in the story where you feel like there's some strongholds and some things that you just can't seem to break free from and you would like prayer, then we're gonna pray for you for that as well. Jesus wants to, to set us free as well tonight. And so I want to invite you as we just go in this next song of worship, if, if you need ministry, you need prayer, or you just want to come and kneel before the Lord, then just, you can just make your way to the front and just kneel before the Lord and at the altar. I'm just going to pray as we just go into the song. God, thank you. Thank you for tonight. God, thank you for that you set us free. Thank you, God, that you set that man free. And it was just to show that you can set anybody free. You, you love us, God. You set that man free, God, and you've set us free. You've saved us from from a lot of stuff, God. You've saved us from a lot of stuff. You saved us from going to hell, God. You've saved us from torment. You've healed our hearts. And we just want you, God. We just want you. You're the desire of our hearts. We don't we don't want to just get over-equipped, but God, we just want you. We, we want Jesus. We want Jesus. You're the desire of our hearts, and you had mercy on us. You didn't have to, but you did it. You weren't forced to. You know what made you do it. You wanted to save us. You wanted to touch our lives. God, you wanted to heal our hearts. And God, we lay our lives before you. We lay our lives before you. And just like that man knelt at your feet, we bow before you in worship. And we just say, Jesus, have it all. Take it. Just take our lives. Take our lives tonight. Take our lives tonight. Take our lives. Come, Lord. Holy Spirit, come fall on your people now just like you did in Cornelius' house his Holy Spirit fell on him come Lord fall on your people fall on us in Jesus' name in Jesus' name in Jesus' name come Lord